Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. It's Tuesday, August 31st. From the Recount, this is the News Items Podcast, based loosely on my newsletter, News Items. I'm John Ellis. Only one major league sport is old enough to count 10 commissioners in its history, and that's Major League Baseball. Today, we bring you my conversation with Rob Manfred, the 10th and current commissioner of MLB. He and I talk about the business of the game, what has changed over the course of his tenure, where he sees future growth, and how the league is playing through the pandemic. Here we go. Rob, thank you very much for joining us today. Happy to do it, John. We asked all of our guests at the beginning the there to hear question, which is in your case, Cornell University and the Harvard Law School. That was there. You are now the commissioner of baseball. What was the road that you traveled? Well, you know, I started on a really traditional path, John. I clerked for a federal judge and then went to work for a big law firm, Morgan Lewis. I was there 15 years, eventually became a partner, but I caught a real break there. Baseball came to Morgan Lewis as a client. And, you know, I was lucky enough literally to get assigned to Major League Baseball work. I mean, there was no real rhyme nor reason to it other than, you know, I'd worked with the senior partner and I guess had done a reasonably good job for him. You know, I continued in that outside lawyer role for more than 10 years. And then I guess the second break actually was in 98 to come in-house and take the labor job. Most people regarded that to be a bad decision because, you know, I was in a great firm doing fine. And frankly, the labor relations job had been a career ender for literally every single person who had had it before me. You know, it's just, it was the land where labor relations people went to die. And, (laughs) you know, I got here, I had great support from Commissioner Selig, an emerging leader at the MLBPA, Mike Wiener, um, no longer with us, but um, who, who, who was a deal guy, you know, a real labor relations pro. We managed to make the first three labor deals ever in the history of baseball without a work stoppage. That eventually put me on a path to the job I have today. Baseball thrives, as do all major league sports, thrive on television contracts. I remember Rupert Murdoch saying the future of television was really news and sports and everything else would be Amazon Prime and Netflix. Walk us through how major league baseball deals with what we used to call the broadcast networks, the streamers, and then your own MLB TV. Let's start with the good news. 
we believe in our content. I think that live sports programming will continue to have tremendous value moving forward. When Rupert Murdoch singles out two things, news and sports, that's good news for me, right? <laughs> right. That, that, that's number one. Number two, you know, we're fortunate on the national side of the house. That is the contracts that commissioner's office negotiates on behalf of the teams that sell our postseason games, our Sunday night exclusives, the all-star game. We're locked in on those deals for seven years. We did really healthy extensions with Fox, Turner, and ESPN pre-COVID. And, you know, we were lucky on that one. I I, I think the timing (laughs) of those extensions was outstanding. Um, I, I think we are seeing tremendous change, particularly with respect to the local broadcasts of our games. It's a huge issue for us. It's a two plus billion dollar revenue stream to the individual clubs every year. And obviously one of the things that has occurred as the change out of the cable model is accelerated is, you know, RSNs, regional sports networks that carry our local games have come under pressure. We are engaged in a strategic process to deal with this changing media landscape. And the way we see it, we think there will be a remnant of the cable model out there. It's not going to be the 100 million homes it used to be, obviously. It may not be 50, but there's real economics in that cable bundle. And we think that remnant's going to persist. And why? It's the Rob Manfreds and John Ellis's of the world, right? You got your cable system. It delivers the content you want. The 200 bucks a month, you can kind of live with it. And who wants to figure out how streaming works, right? So, And there's real economic value in the remnant of that cable model. I mean, that model has been tremendous for baseball and for sports in general. There is, however, a completely separate market. And we really mean it. We don't think this other market cannibalizes the cable bundle. It is the people who have, for reasons unrelated to baseball, cut the cord or never been in the cable bundle to begin with. And our goal there is to get broad distribution of our games on a digital basis to those consumers. We need to tap into that market to replace the people we've lost on the cable side and to build new younger fans. We see MLB.TV, which was the original streaming product, as crucial to that effort as a strategic asset that we can build around. I mean, if you think about the model, if you have a digital platform where you can go in, maybe for baseball, but maybe for baseball and some other sport, you can go in. And if you're a Red Sox fan living in Missouri, you can buy the outer market package to get your Red Sox games. But if you also kind of become enamored of the Cardinals, you can buy your local games in a separate package, or you might buy them together, bundled together. We think that that outer market package supplemented by local rights in the local market is the kind of model that we have to develop in order to have the kind of reach that baseball has historically enjoyed and that we certainly want in the future. One of the big success stories of Major League Baseball was Major League Baseball Advanced Media, 
which I think, if I'm not mistaken, you have sold significant pieces of to Disney over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Tell us about ML BAM, I guess we call it, and you know how you manage the process of maintaining a part ownership but selling a large chunk of it to Disney. We realized that we had several assets down there. We had certain content rights, the digital rights that were owned by advanced media from the 30 clubs, the websites and apps, you know, deal with baseball and the individual teams, the ticketing business. That was another kind of bundle of assets. And then the last thing that we had was a tech platform that was developed in order to stream large volumes of video, right? We have 2,430 regular season games. That platform was designed in order to support our outer market package. So, you know, you could have 15 games going on at the same time and you had to stream them all at once. And it was a high volume undertaking. As we looked at that business, we realized that we had at that moment in time, a technology advantage that was temporal, right? We were better at that streaming business than anybody else out there. And I don't mean that to sound bragging. That was the buzz on the street, right? It's not just me saying it. And, you know, to the credit of our owners, what they said is big companies are going to catch up here. You know, when the Comcast NBC Universal puts its mind to the fact that it's going to develop streaming capability, they're going to do it, right? So that temporary advantage the owner said, we ought to try to capitalize on it. So what we literally took to market and what we sold to Disney ultimately was a technology platform that allowed streaming. That's what we sold. And then we did have talent that moved in the transaction as well. We've had a continuing good partnership with Disney, but what we kept, what we kept, and what's really important is all of the content rights and digital rights that I previously described. There's a there's a theory about value in the digital economy which says that it's all about attention and that one reason Amazon is so successful is that they grab your attention at Whole Foods and shopping on the internet and Amazon Prime and Alexa in your house. Apple, obviously, the Apple iPhone is on your hand and your fingers most of the time. How does Major League Baseball capture attention outside of baseball? I'm thinking specifically of like digital gaming or baseball players providing training advice or along those lines. Let me start with one you mentioned, digital gaming. We made a huge investment in recent years in MLB The Show, our digital game. We had been limited for a number of years by being available only on one of the gaming platforms. We're now available everywhere. Sony has done a fantastic job on the game itself. And in fact, it was the largest selling title during the month of April this year. And we hadn't enjoyed that level of sales in years and years. I mean, we absolutely killed it from a sales perspective with this new game and the availability on multiple platforms has been the key to that. And look, digital gaming, really important in terms of developing young fans. I mean, I I think the success story that people generally point to is, you know, FIFA had a great game and it's promoted the growth of worldwide soccer. And we think that's a model that we need to be emulating and active in and, and, and are working hard on. Second thing I would say is partnerships. I think it's really important in today's 
world to emphasize for players things that are not directly related to the play of the game on the field. So our, our relationship with Nike, you know, we've loosened our footwear rules. Why have we loosened our footwear rules? It gives players an opportunity to express themselves. And it is a tie into culture that is broader than just baseball. Cleats and sneakers are pretty darn close, right? Right, right. Really, really important. Third is platforms. For many years, our strategy kind of in the time before I was commissioner was let's drive everybody to our platform. You know, let's make the at-bat app or MLB.com the place you go if you want. And, and look, those products are really important. They serve our core fans. But we have evolved and realized and are executing on a strategy where we try to be where people are. We want to be on every platform, right? Broader than just the game itself. It's highlights, but it's also creating content that gives you a peek into the individual player, what he's like. We have a social media program where hundreds of players have signed up. We provide them with technical support that allows them to grab highlights from games and comment on those to give the fan that inside view of the player so that the fan is engaging with that player, with baseball, even when a game isn't being played. That's a great idea. Really smart. All right, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back with Rob Manfred. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the podcast. I wanted to ask you about one of my favorite subjects non-fungible tokens, NFTs. I remember Louis, I believe it was his 156th pitch in game six of that legendary World Series. And there's somebody out there who would pay, I would suspect, half a million dollars to have the NFT video of that pitch. And it seems to me Major League Baseball has like thousands of such moments, whether it's Mazarowski's Grand Slam or Reggie Jackson's three home run game or whatever it is. How are you capitalizing on the NFT craze? Let me say this. We have a relationship with a company called Candy. We decided on that partnership because Candy's pitch to us was there's a huge opportunity here. And You want to exploit this opportunity in a way that is durable, right? You don't want to 
go too fast, flood the market, have prices run up, and then have your core fans, right? The, the guy who's buying the Louis Tian thing, that's the last guy in the world we want to offend, right? right. Um, right. And, and so you want to make sure that you're creating a product and an ecosystem for that product that's durable and you don't have core fans who are making investments, buying things that ultimately go down in value. So we've had a little slower, but we think more thoughtful approach uh, to rolling out in this area. We love the area of collectibles in general, both NFTs and traditional. Sports is moving ever closer to being almost inextricably tied to gambling. And I wondered how, as commissioner, you look at sort of the partnerships that are available that be very lucrative to the league with whatever gambling operations are are out there bidding to partner with you versus obvious questions about the integrity of the game. How are you managing that process? And obviously that involves every owner and so on and so forth. So we kind of begin from the proposition, John, that, you know, legalized, regulated sports betting is probably better from an integrity perspective than what has gone on historically. The choice is for a lot of people, they're either going to bet legally or they're going to bet illegally. And, you know, we think that the former is better. Secondly, it's a reality, right? I mean, whether we think it's a good policy decision or not a good policy decision, the reality is the Supreme Court ruled the states are acting and we have to manage that. Our approach has been to draw bright lines, okay? So one bright line is anybody who has the ability to influence the outcome of the game on the field cannot have anything to do with sports betting. Our Rule 21 on that topic remains unchanged. Players, coaches, managers, front office people, number one. Number two, we drew a bright line as to what, ways we would engage with gambling enterprises. So we decided very early on we would never be on the risk in any sports betting, right? That the bookmaking would have to be an operation completely separate from us, but that we would, you know, engage in, for example, sponsorship-related activities. We have a big deal both with MGM and with DraftKings. We also have an authorized gaming program, gaming operator program, under which we provide high quality, low latency data to betting operations. We think that providing that data, low latency, accurate is actually a good thing from the consumer's perspective, right? Because they're getting the real thing. There are places where gaming presents a real business opportunity. We think the single biggest thing is engagement, right? right? The fact that there is this opportunity gives fans an opportunity to engage with the game in a way they have not historically had available. And we think that's the single biggest upside for us. I want to ask, because it's inevitable, the COVID question. We're now in the middle of, you know, there's this race, the vaccines versus the variants, and the Delta variant seems to have the upper hand at the moment. Looking at the Delta variant, are you coming up on decisions as to whether, you know, to sort of have fans sit in every other seat and, you know, the sort of normal, now now normal procedures to protect the public health? We hope not, John. We are making decisions every single day based on, you know, the Delta variant. I mean, it, every day presents a new challenge on the COVID front. 
We have been extremely fortunate. We play outdoors. We have not had a single incident that has been traced to, you know, exposure or spreading in a stadium. And we're hopeful that we're going to be able to make it through the end of October with full stadiums. Last year, our ability to navigate through a 60-game season, given where the country was, was phenomenal. And, and the experts that we relied on were really the leaders in terms of getting us through that. I wanted to ask you about international expansion. I remember during the COVID of 2020, I was saying to a friend of mine, it would be great if the Major League Baseball teams went to Korea and Japan and just played there until we got things yeah. under control here. And I remember you actually telling me about about the negotiations for with the Cuban government about a, a player from Cuba coming to play on a team here in the U.S. Do you see a sort of a Latin Central American League building that will be affiliated with Major League Baseball? That that's an interesting question. You know, Cuba, frankly, our goals are more discreet. At the end of the Obama administration, we actually received a license from the Office of Foreign Assets Control that allowed us to reach an agreement with the Cuban Baseball Federation. And the point of that agreement was to allow Cuban nationals to come to the United States, play Major League Baseball, and return to Cuba during the offseason. Right now, in order for a Cuban to play in the big leagues, they actually have to defect from Cuba, establish residency somewhere else, and come in as a foreign national of that other country, giving up their right to return to Cuba. Right. That's really troubling from our perspective because players have to get out of Cuba. You generally get out of Cuba by being trafficked. And, you know, that's an unseemly, unsafe business. Um, right. So we, we, we did make an agreement with the Cuban Baseball Federation. Unfortunately, the Trump administration revoked our license, and we've never been able to move forward with that agreement. We continue to work in Washington to get permission to actually effectuate the agreement that we made. We think it's good for baseball. We actually think it's a good thing from a human rights perspective to protect these players from the trafficking that does go on. With respect to Latin America more broadly, Latin America is a place where baseball is culturally relevant and provides for us a great growth opportunity. We have established and work closely with the professional leagues in Mexico. We are more involved with those leagues than we have ever been. And, and we see the relationship with those leagues as important to the development of baseball in Mexico and, and to our ability to get more Mexican-American players in the big leagues. You know, we, we, we have great Latino representation, broadly defined. We do not have the number of Mexican-born players that you would expect, given how popular baseball is in Mexico, and we're working hard to rectify that. But in general, we do see Latin America as an opportunity for us in terms of, you know, developing players and developing a business model that makes sense for those domestic leagues. And does the same apply to Asia? specifically Japan, Korea, et cetera? You know, that's at a different level economically. That It's just, you know, Taiwan, Korea, and uh, Japan, obviously, much larger current economic 
opportunity for us. We have great relationships with all of those professional leagues. I would describe those relationships conceptually as follows. We try to build their business and we try to provide an opportunity for a number of key players who want to, to come to play in Major League Baseball. Everybody buys into that model on the theory that, you know, Shohei Otani playing for the Angels is good not only for Major League Baseball, but good for interest in baseball in Japan that drives the domestic product. And from a business perspective, there's three different kinds of initiatives. One, kind of the traditional tour events, you know, an opening series in Japan or Korea or an all-star tour postseason, you know, an American team of all-stars plays a Japanese team. Secondly is the World Baseball Classic, kind of an Olympic style event. And then the third one is is sort of the possibility, and we've never quite gotten there, of a club type championship. And what do I mean club type? I mean integrated Major League Baseball team plays integrated Japanese baseball team, maybe the champions from each. So those are all things that that we work on periodically. The first two are and have been operative forever. The third is kind of a planning stage issue for us. How much longer do you want to do this job? (laughs) Depends on the day. (laughs) (laughs) But you re-upped, right? I mean, Yeah, I'm committed to four more years. I have to tell you, I, I love the job. The parts of the job that people think are, are difficult, you know, they're, they're kind of have been wrong about, at least from my perspective. I mean, I think people think managing the owners is, you know, really hard. And look, there's moments with it. But my the group of owners I have right now are the best ever in baseball, so certainly since I've been around. I mean, they are it's a different breed. They're business minded. They're more unified than ever. They think industry as opposed to just their individual self-interest. And look, I'm excited by the challenge of it. I mean, the the media topic that we talked about earlier, figuring that out, you know, you have an opportunity to change this business, to change Major League Baseball in a way that, that is important for years to come. You don't get that many jobs where you have that sort of opportunity. And look, you and I have known each other a long time. I don't think I'd be that great a retired person. I really don't. <laughs> so. Well, it is the greatest game, that's for sure. Rob, I want to thank you for doing the podcast today. It was terrific. And good luck with the remainder of the season. Great chat with you, John. Thanks for tuning in to the News Items podcast. The podcast is based on my newsletter, which is available at newsitems.substack.com. News Items is produced by Christian castro Russell, Pierre Bienname, Ali Rogers, and Megan Burney. Our theme music was composed by Billy Libby, and our recording engineer is the great Billy Gardella. Tune in tomorrow for my interview with Cade Metz, author of a great book called Genius Makers. He's the technology correspondent for the New York Times. We'll see you then. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.